0: This morning, our scripture passage is going to be Mark 5, 1 through 20, and I will be reading from the version of the Common English Bible. So if you would like to stand, do we stand when we do the scripture reading? I feel like this is a bad time to ask this. (laughs) Okay, sit, sit and read. It's a long one. It's It's a fun one. Okay. All right, Mark 5, 1 through 20 from the Common English Bible Version. Jesus and his disciples came to the other side of the lake, to the region of the Gerasenes. As soon as Jesus got out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out of the tombs. This man lived among the tombs, and no one was ever strong enough to restrain him, even with a chain. He had been secured many times with leg irons and chains, but he broke the chains and smashed the leg irons. No one was tough enough to control him. Night and day in the tombs and hills, he would howl and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from far away, he ran and knelt before him, shouting, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. He said this because Jesus had already commanded him, Unclean spirit, come out of the man. Jesus asked him, What is your name? He responded, Legion is my name, because we are many. They pleaded with Jesus not to send them out of that region. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the hillside. Send us to the pigs, they begged. Let us go into the pigs. Jesus gave them permission, so the unclean spirits left the man and went into the pigs. Then the herd of about 2,000 pigs rushed down the cliff into the lake and drowned. Those who tended the pigs ran away and told the story in the city and in the countryside. People came to see what had happened. They came to Jesus and saw the man who used to be demon-possessed. They saw the very man who had been filled with many demons sitting there, fully dressed and completely sane, and they were filled with awe. Those who had actually seen what had happened to the demon-possessed man told the others about the pigs. Then they pleaded with Jesus to leave their region. While he was climbing into the boat, the one who had been demon-possessed pleaded with Jesus to let him come along as one of the disciples. But Jesus wouldn't allow it. Go home to your own people, Jesus said, and tell them what the Lord has done for you and how he has shown you mercy. The man went away and began to proclaim in the ten cities all that Jesus had done for him, and everyone was amazed. This is the word of the Lord. God is good. All the time. time.
1: Amen. God is good. All the time. 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 I just have to make sure this is sturdy, because this is a newer laptop. (laughs) Okay. That's how I test it. Um, so we're continuing our Mark series, and uh, this is a longer chunk. So for those of you who are like, when are we going to finish up Mark? Because we're going like in little, tiny sections at a time. We we got a whole big chunk um, out of that. But um, demon possession and legion not not your everyday common uh, topic of discussion. And there's a lot. Uh, there's a lot in this passage, a lot of uh, information, a lot of narrative, uh, and a lot of things that we probably don't experience every day. You probably don't um, understand everything in this passage, and we couldn't know uh, all of the cultural context um, of the time and how people understood uh, certain things, how people understood uh, demons, how people understood Uh, spiritual things, Um, but we could step in and take a look and try to apply it to ourselves today. Um, But Mark goes, uh, verses 1 through 5, goes through some length to describe the state of this man, how this person is doing. Uh, What we basically have is a lunatic demoniac, right? The man comes out of the tombs, um, tombs are a place of death, right? Um, and if you look through the Old Testament, for uh, being in the, among the tombs for Jewish people is considered unclean. Isaiah, um, let's see, Isaiah 65. Not Isaiah 65. Where was my... Yeah, Isaiah 65, 4 references people who sit inside tombs and spend the night in secret places who eat swine flesh, right? So just in that prophetic uh, passage, there's tombs, there's spending the night in secret places, and there's the eating of swine flesh. So there's some connection there. But basically, that's to say, in Jewish culture, culture, this man would be considered unpure, hanging out with demons living amongst the tombs. Um, and uh, something to do, do with pigs in this passage as well. So there, there's some connection. But so the man's coming out of tombs. Tombs is a place of death. This man is a transient person, right? Obviously, he's sleeping um, amongst the tombs, not in a home, not in community, ostracized, isolated. Um, and it mentions, Mark mentions, that nobody can restrain this person, right? They put chains on him, he, he gets free. They put shackles, and he, he breaks the shackles. So this person has super strength, right? And he's broken out of his chains, and he's broken out of his shackles numerous times before. And then there's also the audible, Right? He howls as he's approaching. I'm thinking about the disciples too. Uh, a couple weeks ago, Tim preached awesomely on uh, Jesus calming the storm. and the, G- the disciples and Jesus in the storm, on the lake, in their boat. And uh, the storm comes and Jesus has authority in his words to calm the storm. And it's a picture of authority. It's a picture of the disciples trusting in Jesus' authority in the midst of chaos, in the midst of a storm. So they cross the lake, and then I imagine, right, it's night, it's evening by the time they get to the other side, and what do you know? It's dark, it's a different place. It Probably, if you're scared of the dark, very scary. And out comes this crazed person, howling, it says, howling. I, I thought about kind of recreating the how, but I'll leave that to your imagination right now, and it'd probably be pretty annoying, but it'd be annoying because it's an unpalatable sound, right? Mm -hmm. Just imagine if a person with ripped clothes and scars and cuts and wild hair with broken chains coming off them came in the middle of the sanctuary and just howled, right? how would we be responding? How would we be reacting? Uh, Hopefully some of you may be like coming between me and the person to protect me, right? (laughs) Like, ah, get him! Um, But that how is unpalatable. It's uh, socially awkward. It's not something we hear every day. And if we hear it, we probably move to the other side of the street, go to the other end of the sidewalk, We don't want to deal with something that's crazy, that's loud, that's out of control, that's uncontained. And Mark describes this person as that. And I want to kind of pull out some of the things, um, kind of the emotional and social state of this person um, who is afflicted with a demon. He's experiencing one severe isolation, right? Obviously, he's not fit. He's an outcast, a pariah, a thorn in the side of society, a thorn in the side of his family, if he has family around, a thorn in the side of whatever business owners, you know, people. We have the herdsmen, right? The people who are taking care of their animals. So isolation is one. And then he's exhibiting antisocial behavior, right? Howling, living in the tombs, not someone that you're gonna invite to Thanksgiving dinner, right? Not someone who you would allow to sit amongst yourself at a peaceful gathering or a meeting or a church worship service maybe, right? This person is also homeless, right? Right? Living, coming out of the tombs, having slept day and night amongst the tombs. And this person is uncontained, right? We can't control him. We can't keep him in, right? Keep him well behaved. We can't contain this person. In fact, people have tried. People have tried to kind of chain him or lead him away or like hold him. But it says this man is too tough for all of them, (laughs) right? So there's that super strength. And also, the scripture says that the man cuts himself, right? So there's an element of self-destruction. Severe isolation, antisocial behavior, homeless, uncontained, within the bounds and rules and social norms of society, and self-destructive, right? I, I mentioned that we... We don't always, we wouldn't know or experience something like this demonic possession every day. But on the other hand, given these descriptors, don't we experience these things in the people around us on the streets, in Seattle, in Linwood, every day, right? Around the church every day. You can probably go out into this parking lot and meet someone like this. when there is evil, uh, when there's oppression, when there's darkness, these are some of the things that happen, right? We become isolated. Our behavior changes, right? And we feel far from home, and we experience self-hatred and self-destruction. Are you with me, church? So this man is overall in an outcast, a pariah, a thorn in the side of sea, uh, society. And then verse 6 through 8, Jesus says, Unclean spirit, come out! And the demon takes a defensive stance. And I think the demons, demon, demons, um, and there's an interchange here, right? At first, uh, it's demon possessed by a demon in the singular, and that switches uh, eventually to plural, we are legion, demons. And so we have this individual man, one man with one demon, or at least described in the singular. And then this begins to move to the multiple, right? To the plural. But these demon, demons, take a defensive stance when Jesus says, Spirit come out. Spirit as singular. Um, and I think they take this defensive stance because they recognize that Jesus is someone more powerful than them. Right? How do we know this? They kneel before Jesus. It says they see Jesus at a distance, run towards him, and kneel down, which is a submissive pose. Um, uh, screensaver. Um and then they also know Jesus' name, and he doesn't know their name, right? Which means that, in the least, Jesus is more popular than them, right? Right? All of you know my name. I might not know all of your names. That be, that's because... No, am just kidding. <laughs> because I'm him. No. Um, I'm just joking. I'm joking. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so they know Jesus' name, and they declare him. He's the... They, uh, they also give him an honorific name, right? Uh, great one, son of the most high. Um, and then they plead with Jesus, right? They beg Jesus not to torture, right? Don't torture us. Um, and so, again, there's this recognition that Jesus is obviously more powerful than them, and they know it. So that's really important, just as Jesus... Uh, In the chapter before, it was more powerful than the storms, more powerful, right, than the winds, more powerful uh, than the water. Jesus is also more powerful than these demons that confront him. Um, Verse 9 and 10, uh, while Jesus is, uh, is named, the demon is not, again, So, Jesus asks, what is your name? Um, And they give their name to Jesus, right? Giving their name gives Jesus that power over them. They say, we are legion because we are many. Here here we go the shift to the plural. The demon is also shifted, right? The demon shifts from the single to the plural from a me to a we, right? (laughs) They're... Uh, it's a bad joke. They're pronouns shift, right? Um, from a me to a we. Um, and they plead Jesus, plead to Jesus to not be sent from the region. And this is interesting to me. What is it about the region? Right? They're they're kind of they're they're set up, they're camped out in this one man and Jesus is going to send them out and they know it's inevitable, right? The gig is up. We got to get out of this guy. But then they say, but don't send us out of the region. So what does geography have to do with being in this person, right? That's a very interesting move, right? And I, I kind of tie it to the, the singular to the plural move, Right, It goes from an individual person being possessed, this ostracized, this outcast person as a one individual to them uh, maybe revealing the greater strategic plan that they are uh, looking for control over the region, the geography, over more than one person, the place, creation, the trees, the water, Right? The people, the villages, the towns, your street, your neighborhood, your city. So it kind of demonstrates to me the organic and systemic nature of evil. Right? It's not just this one person, we're all interconnected. Right? Just like the people around. This man, even though he's isolated, they're affected. Or maybe their actions, the actions collectively of society, affect this one person, has affected this one person. Are you with me, church? We are all interconnected. Lest we say, oh, that person over there, that's bad, right? That over there, that's evil that person over there should have made better choices and just pulled themselves up by their bootstraps, right? Lest we say that, we need to recognize collectively that the people around us that are hurt and hurting and marginalized, um, there's more to it than just individual choices. Are you with me, church? There's also collective systemic sin. There's collective systemic evil. And I think we get a picture of that here um in this story <clears throat> the individualized moves to the corporate the demon was singular then became plural the man is a victim to a collection of evil and while i was on my tangent kind of you know reflecting on this afterwards right they, all the demons go into the herd of pigs right two thousand of them and they all jump off the cliff right Can you imagine that legion, Uh, that legion, which is a Roman word for army, regiment, which is, anyone know the number 6,000? I think it's 6,000, soldiers, right? Um, Many, many thousands of demons that make a herd of pigs jump over, have that force over nature, have that power, were all collected in this person. just think of that suffering. Think of that torment, right? Um, so this man is a victim to a collection of evil. And Analogously, I want us to think about what are the evils of culture and society that scapegoat and marginalize other people, that push people... To isolation, that push people out of their homes, that push people into self hatred and self destructive behaviors. And let that kind of hang there as we continue on. Or, asked another way when we see the poor or the marginalized around us, what are the systemic ills and injustices that contribute to their pain? Is it simply on the individual? Tough luck for you, or do we all hold a corporate responsibility? The demons know it, right? They know their gig is up. Ultimately, Jesus is more powerful, more uh, more powerful, more authoritative than all of them combined. Their removal is inev- inevitable, but they must control something, right? They must have dominion somewhere. If Jesus is going to squeeze them out, they need to go. Somewhere, right? So this legion, Jesus casts them out, and this legion is disseminated through a herd or a legion of pigs, rather than being localized in one person. And the fact that they're pigs signals should signal to us um, that these this is a Gentile area, right? If you didn't know, right? Because uh, pork is unclean for the Jewish people. Um, so that there would be por- uh, pig herders means that it's a Gentile area. Um, and the pigs end up rushing the coast and jump into the lake. And no, this was not, they did not jump into the Bay of Pigs. That was my one pastor joke there. Okay, Bay of Pigs, okay. <laughs> um, but what's, what's the collateral damage, Right? A herd, of, a herd of pigs is a collateral damage. Resources, right, of the community, of the herds, herdsmen, right? Perhaps this is food for many people. Perhaps this is the livelihood of others. Uh, a huge financial loss, a huge economic loss. In a way, there is a communal sacrifice for the sake of the one person. Again, we are not individuals merely living next to each other, but we are part of an interconnected, breathing, communal organism. Just as the legion pleads Jesus not to send them out of the region, the people soon learn of this, the pigs jumping in, right? And news spreads, and everyone comes to Jesus to witness this, and they're, it says that they're really afraid. Right? They're afraid, just as the demon was afraid when it first confronted Jesus. Right, don't, don't send us out. Don't torment us. And I believe the people are feeling some of the same things, like the unknown, the power of Jesus gives them fear. Don't torment us. Just leave from this place. And this is what they're feeling, right? They're, too, um, they're afraid when confronted with the power of Jesus, Um, and so just as the legion pleaded to jesus not to send them out of the region the people also pleaded with jesus to what leave their region right get out of here we don't want you in this place you're messing with our system you're messing with our economics you're messing with the ways things ought to be no matter that this person they do witness, is freed, right, has been delivered, is sitting there at peace and and normal again with his wits. But they plead Jesus uh, to leave the region. And, um, I also wonder where the pigs go, right? The difference here (laughs) is that the pigs drown. We don't know the fate of the demons, right? Did the pigs drown and the demons just came out? Or did the demons just go back to Satan? Like into the depths, right, of of hell or something? Um, Did they return to the dark depths to Satan? Um, But in the least, we know that for the time, evil and bad news is thwarted. And Jesus ends up leaving the region. But as he's leaving the region, right, when he, the good news and the Messiah effect is about to be multiplied exponentially, right? The man has been freed and he becomes a witness to all that Jesus had done for him, right? He goes out to the 10 cities, it says. And the 10 cities, your Bible might say 10 cities, or your version might say Decapolis, which is a Latin word for 10 cities, right? Um, which is another clue, right? That legion and Decapolis being Roman words, right? Latin words, Rome, points to Rome as the empire, right? Rome itself, the empire, the region, we, we can now kind of suppose, is Roman, Right? like a stronghold for the Roman Empire. So in a way, this is Jesus freeing, right, the hold of Rome or the power of the empire in that region, right, the darkness of the empire. He's casting out um, from this man and from, from the region. Um, so there's one way to look at it. Jesus, right, saying the kingdom of God is at hand, is saying, yeah, I'm ushering in a new kingdom, right? That's what Mark is saying. I've ushered, with Jesus comes the ushering in of a new kingdom, and Jesus has been expressing authority over evil spirits, authority to heal, authority over the Sabbath, authority over this and that, and people are smarting, right? The powers of be are smarting. The Pharisees, the religious leaders are like, who are you to have the authority to say this or do that, right? These are our rules. These, this is what we do. This is our gig, right? And in the same way, you know, Jesus is ultimately going to be put on the cross of Rome, right? Because of his conf- confrontation um, with the power, right? The, the power of the empire, um, so in one way when we look at the demoniac this person is one who is marginalized isolated and pushed scapegoated because of right the power of the empire and jesus demonstrates in a small way power over even this are you with me church uh where was i Okay, so Jesus is about to depart, and the man wants to leave with Jesus and become his disciples. And this is parallel with the calling of the disciples, right? This is the natural step for someone who says yes to Jesus, or who has been called by Jesus, or affected by Jesus is. Oh, I follow him and become a part of his entourage, his crew, right? And that would make sense to all of us, but instead Jesus says, no, 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 not for you, you stay here. And it's kind of funny because I almost think that he's like, you are ahead of the curve, right? You've experienced such a transformation and such a turnaround and your experience in life is such a way and you're a Gentile, right? You stay here and spread the word And I'll continue my remedial discipleship program with Peter, James, and John, and and all the rest of them over here. Like, they need to hang with me because I have, right, they didn't even get the parable, right, of the soils, right? I had to, to like, explain the parable of the soils to them. Um, But you intuitively get it, right? Because you've experienced so deeply that freedom, right? You've been delivered. And I'm just going to set you free, right? I'm not going to put any shackles or chains on you. I'm just going to set you free because you've been touched by the good news. And that momentum, it's just going to take over, right? And how many of us have experienced transformation or change or good news that Jesus has done. He's healed us. He's delivered us. He's changed our lives. We were going in one direction, but now we're going in another direction. We were suffering from bad habits or things, uh, self-hatred, right? Self-harm, whatever it is, whatever malady we had, whatever shame, right? That was upon us and Jesus delivered us. We experienced that good news and what do you want to do? I just want to shout, right? It's like being in love for the first time. I just want to tell the whole world. And it doesn't matter what we look like. We're going to have public displays of affection everywhere. Right? Because we're in love. In the same way Jesus has shown his good, good love to me. And I can't help but have a public display of affection. From Jesus. Because Jesus loved me. This I know. Because the Bible. Not just the Bible told me so. But my life tells me so. My experience tells me so. And so Jesus tells this man to stay. And what does it say, right? He actually, Jesus actually does say like, just stay with your people. Right? Stay with your people. And again, this, there's this kind of thing, a uh, similar thing as the paralytic, right? The, the, the 10 paralyzed people that are healed, right? Jesus says, like, just go to the temple, go to the priest, be declared clean, blah, blah, blah. Stay on the download, don't tell anyone. But the guy returns to Jesus, thanks him, and, like, gives praise, right? That, you know, Jesus kind uh, of, on the DL. Stay in this region. Stay with your people, right? But the man explodes. It can't be contained. He will not be chained. Because when the good news takes effect in someone's life, right, you can't help. It can't be helped. Right? It comes out. We like to spread good news. We like to talk about good news. Amen, church? So in our story, there was bad news, individualized in one broken individual. And this bad news becomes disseminated and spread as good news to the multitudes, right? Put another way, the freeing of one becomes the good news to many. And again, in Mark's gospel, the power of darkness is overcome with Christ's word of authority over this darkness. So, what about us? In what ways do you need to be freed from affliction? What are the demons that have haunted you in life? Ask Jesus to free you, ask Jesus to uh, break these chains. And for this, I think, as individuals and in the church, this is why we turn to prayer and intercession, right? We pray to be healed. We pray to be freed. And we don't just pray alone, right? It's kind of weird to be prayed to free, be freed from darkness when you're in that alone, right? Because you're in your own, what is that called, echo chamber. But to ask someone to pray with you, to pray in community. There's strength and power in that. In what ways has Jesus already freed you in the past of your legions? How can you tell others about everything he has done for you, just like the man did? Let me tell you everything Jesus has done for me. Right? Woman at the well, too. Come. See him who told everything about myself. She was a witness. Thirdly, uh, you heard Cain's question in Genesis, right? Cain and Abel. Am I my brother's keeper? Yes. You are your brother's and sister's keeper. You are your sibling's keepers. You are your sister's, your brother's keeper's. There is a communal responsibility to our fellow siblings who are all bearers of God's image. Ultimately, we all pay the price for the victims of social ills, for systemic marginalization, for violence done to the innocent, but both overtly or anonymously, right? Via corporate greed, or the collective idolatry of comfort, right? We are all collectively responsible and we need to own that, that price by being creative and brilliant in how we pool resources right, to fight poverty, to fight hunger, to fight trafficking, to fight racial prejudice. Creative. The church is called to be creative, right? And pooling that together to reverse it. Economic, social effects of empire. And then for the church, finally, the church itself is one body, right? Many in one body. The body of Christ. We are living, breathing, communal organism called out to give praise to the Creator, but also to be the hands and arms and pigs' feet for I mean feet for our neighbors. Right? We are a collection of resources called to give of ourselves as Christ served humanity, called to sacrifice the dirty S word sacrifice for the sake of the howling people among the tombs, for those sleeping outside in the cold today, for those victimized in the class to prison pipeline for those unjustly incarcerated, for those who are told they're not beautiful or are not enough, right? Because of where they come from or the color of their skin or what gender you are. And then, oh, this is actually is finally, <laughs> finally, evil is real. Evil forces are real. I know some of us, right? We we like the positive sermon and we like to feel good, right? And like Jesus is all good, Jesus is all right with me, right? But there is evil in the world. Otherwise, we wouldn't have the news, right? They'd have no content. <laughs> right? There's no content. Evil forces are real, and we we read in Ephesians 6, 12, right? For our struggle is not against blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, the empire, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And maybe for us, like, we are kind of removed from exorcisms, Right? Like this story could be portraying. We're, we're far removed from demons and demonic things. Like, that's not my gig, right? I hear about those stories from missionaries, right? Or in other parts of the world happening out there, casting out of demons. But here, you know, in the educated world, ah, eh, you know, it's, it's other things, right? It's social ills, it's, you know, whatever, But evil is real, right? And perhaps, you know, for instance, for America, for the West, you know, we have a long history of racism and injustice, right? Of supremacy, yeah. of colonialism. And when those things are taken collectively and built on each other that's evil right and so when we refuse not to look at evil right it just sits there and it grows and grows right we're refusing to look at the truth while all the while there are people that are hurt and dying and displaced and jacked up right and still we say what 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 right we have to look at that E, like, evil, when it collects upon our itself, becomes demonic, right? It becomes an organ, a breathing organism that needs to be cast, cast out. And that's what I see for the American church, right? That's what I see for us, not to scare you. Um, I'm coming off uh, a few weeks ago. I wasn't here a few Sundays ago. Um, Because I was on the journey to Mosaic, which is what our denomination, our specific conference, it's a bus ride to racial righteousness. So from Thursday to Sunday, we basically get on a bus and we're paired up with people of a different ethnicity. Um, Some of us were paired up with two, so I was paired up um, with two gentlemen, um, both black. And we're on a bus and we go to different sites and this mostly... Well, it was Washington and Oregon, so um, each site is a different historical story, right? Of how uh, different ethnic groups were displaced, kicked out, killed um, because of colonialism, basically, or white supremacy, and so... We had, we had the indigenous experience. And on the bus, while we're traveling from site to site, we're watching documentaries or movies and then discussing it with each other. And then at the sites, we get a history lesson. And, and the person at that site kind of gives us the story of the pain. And we listen to different stories and testimonies of pain and hurt. And we process it. Um, and it, it, it just, a- after a certain point, you're like, wow overwhelmed because they're like I can't but like people who say this doesn't exist like this hurt and this pain-giving like it's right here story after story and they're similar right they're all tell the same story the story of America right in the raw Um, and so indigenous experience Latino experience Asian experience um, and African-American experience and so we go around and it's amazing. It's done every year and I hope some of us at Renew uh, can make that trip in the future. Next, next It's always a Veterans Day uh, weekend. Um, but the indigenous experience, especially we go to a powwow, we're invited to a powwow um, during that time and, and kind of celebrate and see what's going on. And then when they say, oh, because they're out there dancing in their regalia, right? But when they say, when the announcer says, "Intertribal dance, that means everyone can come out there. So I got to go out there and demonstrate my lack of rhythm. Um, but anyways... Uh, I feel like, oh, this is something I read about, this is something I see or I have experienced, but it's like another level of kind of experience and seeing and hearing stories. And the more that we listen to people's stories, right, instead of saying, no, that didn't happen, that couldn't have happened, right, instead of saying, that doesn't happen, actually being like, oh, that is your experience. That did happen. And when we become listeners to that and aren't afraid to look at our past or even our response our corporate responsibility and, and, and pain, you know that healing is able, that we can heal when we begin to look at it and see. So again, it starts you know, Paul said it, our struggle is against blood and flesh, against rulers. It's not against blood and flesh, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers, and this present darkness, right? The darkness is real. Don't be afraid to see that truth and to ask Jesus, right? Um, I'll send this out in an email, but I had an Instagram reel about Man, when we see all these images of pain and destruction and war and fighting and innocence being hurt on TV, on the news, and we just get feel overwhelmed, right? It's like, what, what can we do? Right? It's just overwhelming sadness. Um, and the woman gives advice for that, but take it, come to Jesus, who has authority and power over the demons, over the darkness, over the evil, over the storms, over the winds, over everything around us. And when you feel overwhelmed or you feel beat down and you feel alone, that's the time to come to Jesus and say, deliver me, Jesus, deliver me, Jesus. And also to come into the body of Jesus. Corporately, God's community, don't be alone. Right? What do predators do? Like lions and wolves? They go after the weak, straggling, alone one, right? Divide and conquer. Don't be divided out to be conquered, but find solace in community and in church. Are you with me, church? Amen. And finally, we call on the transforming power of the Holy Spirit, right? The connection, Pentecost, when you think about Pentecost, it's this story is the opposite demon Pentecost story, right? Uh, We begin with the many already united in the one, and then they're dispersed, right? But then this leads to the gospel going from this place to the region and beyond right when evil is dispersed just like the coming of the holy spirit individuals are brought together and made one because they hear their separate heart languages right the holy spirit is moving the one and the many are combined for the ministry and transformation to happen um so plug into that um and let Jesus give you discernment over what that means. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for that you gave us your son, Jesus Christ, who is powerful and authoritative and has whatever evil we are experiencing in our own lives, in the lives around us, what we see in the world is nothing that bows down before you, uh, son of the most high. And so... We turn to you and we say, come, Lord Jesus, come. Divine Messiah, come. We need you. Deliver us. Amen.